can't handle the truth. No, Jack, you can't handle the truth. See, the truth is that All Things Film offers the best value in free movie podcasts on the internet. That's right, free, as in it costs you nothing. Daily Grindhouse, films and swearing, a movie podcast. It was only a pound. La La Film, Maths Movie Side UK, Podcast on Fire, and of course, Film Exploitation, the All Things Film podcast. All free and all available online on iTunes, on the podcast app, on Stitcher, on TuneIn Radio, direct or from www.allthingsfilm.co.uk. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. See, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. All Things Film, the premium film movie podcast feed on the net. As one review hinted at, on this show, we don't pick the expected, but rather what we feel is worthy of a spotlight. And the time has come for a new subject, and his name is David Chang. Yes, martial arts action superstar had a directing career of note, at least in my opinion. Uh, so, let's start it all. Follow me, Kenny B and Tom KW, as we open up a new director series on David Chang's The Drug Addicts and A Mad World of Fools. Welcome back to the Director's Series 14, and uh, yep, I'm not Joy, Kirk Wong in the bag, now uh, we let uh, someone else out of the bag, David Chang, we've kidnapped him, and <laughs> we're going to force him to watch his own movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yep, it, the Director's Series goes on, and uh, it's uh, it's a joy for me to uh, to do it, uh, especially alongside uh, you, Tom KW, oh, so uh, yeah, you go, nice, oh, and you can say hi too, you can say oh and hi. Yeah, Tom, I'm here as well. So, so, so hopefully we can maybe get a larger group together for another episode. But for this one, it's only you and me, buddy. And uh, you know, uh, after I think after the conclusion of the Kirk Wong episode, we uh, series we got our review of the director series courtesy of Bill's Movie Emporium. And he's, he's been very, he has actually podcast reviews on his site, and he was very kind to this show. And I'm glad that he picked up on what I like doing on this show, i.e., highlighting something that. I think is criminally un uh, not highlighted, underrated even. Not in a hipster kind of way, you know what I mean? Because Nam Choi is popular, Kirk Wong is popular, but people need to hear about other aspects of his career too. You know, Lifeline Express is not, you know, in the same discussion or uh, breath as Crime Story, you know what I mean? So, uh, true, true. And, and David Chang, there is some quality, especially later on, uh, but we are looking at the very, very early, qual- uh, very early quality, or lack of it, you never know. So let's talk of David Chang in a little bit, and his career, starting with these two movies in this episode. First of all, a little bit of contact information. This is the director series on the Podcast of Fire Network. We have a website, kids. We have a website. Are you on websites anymore? If mm-hmm. not, you gotta be. Podcastonfire.com. We have a ton of shows on there. And bonus episodes exclusive to the website. So check it out. Uh, we are on Facebook as well, like our page, facebook.com forward slash PUF Network. Every 10th like generates a, a charity of some kind, a tenner or 20 quid, uh, towards um, some charity. Latest, I think, uh, uh, just a few days ago, that um, 
that horrible accident at that dog dog facility that uh, was burned down, you know. So so, so the tenth like arrived um, around that time. So I sent a little bit to uh, to one of the uh, uh, I think it was the some Manchester newspaper that was uh, heading uh, the donation drive towards the um, towards this uh, home, home for dogs. So uh, your likes people generated charity. So uh, that's all we need out of you, you know. I like and uh, so that's a great piece of support as well for it's a win-win situation no one can lose indeed indeed we are also in our own discussion group uh, follow our show updates and what have you in there as well as a chat between uh, between all the members and hosts uh, you can uh, reach the group by following the following the link in the about section on our page or type in podcastonfire.com in the facebook search box and uh, that will get you the group and follow our tweets and uh, follow uh, us and add it to our follower list because that's currency <laughs> Actual <laughs> currency. You can call up Twitter. I have thousand followers. Can I get a thousand dollars? Yes, you can. What's the exchange rate on those? Uh... It's like a thousand followers is times zero point zero 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 one p. But we are on twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I write about various Hong Kong movies, category three regular movies that David Chang has made, as well as Godfrey Ho Ninja movies and Taiwanese black movies at sogoodreviews.com. And I video review at sleazykvideo.com. And I tweet at twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. The director series is on iTunes. Rate and subscribe. And if you have, have the time, please leave a written comment. Uh, that will act perfectly fine as a review. And uh, that will support us and get us some notice. So thank you very much. And finally, stream us on Stitcher Radio on their uh, website, as well as on their application available for the iPhone iPad or Android. So thank you very much for that. And uh, just type in the, the director series to find us and add us to your favorites. vcinemashow.com, big old active blog that you're a part of. And uh, don't know if you are planning to review David, any David Chang movies, but regardless, you have a a review archive on there, Tom. So that's all good. You you are creative every once in a while, and uh, I like that. So you want, do you want to say anything about that? Insert witty comments about lack of reviews on vcinemashow.com from Tom here. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we should uh, use that as a standard line. That's just the editors know. <laughs> yeah. No, funny. I'll use that. I'll fucking use that. <laughs> you know, we, we're done with vcinemashow.com now. Now we're moving on to, to the movies. Uh, and, uh, yeah, indeed. Well, I won't uh, do the penis, penis, <laughs> penis, penis, penis this time. Uh, all right, the drug addicts from 1974. Uh, there's some posters that say the drug addict, but the uh, on-screen title is the drug addicts. And uh, plot from my review of the film: Tilong plays the titular drug addict who gets unexpected help to kick the habit by Wong Chung's character Tseng Chen. Uh, back on the job as a kung fu teacher, Tilong's character Quan gets recruited by the police to find out the information about drug smugglers and find out finds out his savior belongs to that gang. Lots of questions and mystery. Sounds like a good film. Shame it's not. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm finding it hard to disagree uh, with you uh, with you there. And uh, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, but hey, examining a director, you do that in full. You know what I mean? Through his or hers uh, ups and downs. So, uh, you know, even Nam Choi had his ups and downs, and even Kirk Wong had his uh, ups and uh, downs. You know, even ended his Hong Kong run with a very much a down thing. You know, rock and roll cop and what have you. So. It's definitely, I think, a good example, this show of a director kind of working towards finding his feet a bit with him. It's not instant gold straight off the bat. You know, I'm disappointed to say, but 
not every director can can produce that straight off the bat. Some directors are disgusting in that regard because they can produce garbage. <laughs> straight from the bat. Like, yeah, so some Korean directors have examined on what's Korean cinema. Like, his debut film? Really? This is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's so there's so much talent there. But uh, anyway, let's talk David Chiang. I mean, it's, uh, it's the first episode on him as a director. So let's talk of uh, the man himself for a little bit. Dave. Dave, Davey, 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 but anyway, David, first of all, uh, that's a name that was given to uh, our David by Chang Che, as it matches his name, Chang Dawei. Uh, he also went under the name John before, uh, John Kung, or John Kung, and Chang is Mandarin and Kung is Cantonese, uh, but uh, that's why there's a mixture there, like between Kung and Chang, is that at Shaw Brothers, you know, our favorite directors and stars all often had their Mandarin versions of their names on screen. You know, Lau Garland was never, to my knowledge, uh, uh, he was always, rather, uh, Lu Cha Liang yeah, yeah. Uh, at Shaw Brothers. So uh, that's why we had David Chang rather than David Kung. Uh, but uh, there it is. He is an actor director from a family of popular movie stars. So his father was 1940s and 50s actor Jim Fa, who passed away at an early, at an early age of uh, 33, unfortunately. His uh, mother was actress Hung Wei. Said mother remarried and gave birth to another son, and the family would go on to be quite recognized, even down to the youngest boy. And let's break down the family tree a little bit more. David's brother, full brother, is character actor Paul Chung Poi, who you see in this movie and uh, many, many movies by a character I will mention in a little bit. But, you know, a recognized character actor and uh, plays a great villain, but he, he can do warmth as well. He can do it, he can do it all. He's the leading the lunatics, if the people have seen that movie. David's uh, sister is actress uh, Lam Wai Chu, who was a child performer in movies for a brief period of time. And finally, David's half-brother, his former Shaw Brothers actor turned universally acclaimed director Derek Yi. Yep. And these are all stage names, actually, so that's why they vary to the degree that they do. Uh, so David has a college education, but uh, he did appear in movies as a child as well, even alongside his elder brother, Paul Chun. So, um, they, you know, the entertainment was kind of in their blood early, but they're good on him for getting an education along the way. So, mm -hmm. uh, But he, what he pursued, and what everybody knows he pursued, was, uh, was acting eventually. He worked as a fight instructor and... Uh, initially before he started appearing on screen and it said that he did have some background in picking opera but not at the level of for instance Jackie Chan and Sammo Hong and Yun Biu uh, but uh, he did study picking opera to some degree uh, but while working as a fight instructor he was spotted by legendary Shaw Brothers director Chang Che and as the latter half of the 60s rolled in uh, Chang got bit parts uh, in the foreground in the background and uh, eventually uh, started to you know, Chang Chia and Shaw Brothers started to see that uh, there's some potential here. And uh, he got more, by 1969, he finally got more than just blink and you'll miss him type of roles. And, uh, you know, during this time, you know, Shaw Brothers were trying to find new distinctive leading men as Jimmy Wang Yu was reportedly already announcing or said that he wanted out of the studio and uh, uh, venture out on his own. And, uh, and he did Taiwanese movies subsequently. So David Chang, Therefore, he went from a supporting role, for instance, in The Invincible Fist, which is a pretty good Chang Che movie, to a lead in Chang Che's excellent swordplay drama, Have Sword Will Travel, which is 1969, I believe. And his co-star would, uh, it's, I think it's their first like co-star venture, and it would be the first of many, and because he co-starred mm -hmm. with T. Lung in Have Sword Will Travel. 
And it, this started, you know, the ball rolling for in terms of Shaw Brothers producing movies with these two and producing movies in general. You know, the, the next five to seven years, uh, approximately, classic upon classic was made, often featuring the so-called Ion Triangle, which consisted of these stars, David Chang and T. Lung, and also Chang Chia. You know, it's a shame they never came up with a, a good, like, name, uh, like the Iron Triangle, to all, uh, but that also referenced the fact that a fourth man was the addition of uh, to, to this uh, triangle, and, and I'm talking about, uh, in my flimsy way, uh, Chen Quan Tai, because he was really, really uh, an important part of it all, but uh, I never heard, like, a snappy, like, name like the Iron Triangle, but... Uh, with uh, the word quartet thrown in there as well. But uh, there you go. I think uh, uh, Chen Quan Tai deserves to mention in terms of uh, being uh, part of uh, many, many classics, including Blood Brothers, uh, which uh, they were all in. Yeah, uh, there, there's plenty of examples, but uh, the award, uh, one of many examples is uh, the uh, award-winning and stylistically influential Vengeance. Uh, that was uh, David Chang, uh, star, and uh, T. Long in a small role. The Heroic Ones, which was my first Chang Chen movie. And it was so much fun. It's not his best, but it's fun massacre really fun massacre and a lot of it you know just constant fighting and Chang Che uh, Robert David Chang being ripped apart by a horse at one point it's great <laughs> you know and uh, they also were in the anonymous heroes the aforementioned blood brothers deadly duo these were genuine box office kings and champions you know from Chang Che down to the actors and uh, in these movies too I mean they were they were action movies but they they were also developing their acting chops very confidently because they jumped between genres and had dramatic material to work with and, uh, you know, became assured leading men through experience. You, you can definitely see that. Even though Bruce Lee at Golden Harvest got harvest, also raked in the money and kind of challenged the triangular formula, if, the will, if you will, all of these characters, including David Chang, kept on being active. I mean, David Chang even got to be, was the chosen lead for the sure Hammer co-production legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Now I love that film, and uh, I love the fact that David was very comfortable sharing the screen with uh, Peter Cushing, who plays who plays Van Helsing uh, again. And uh, it's su- such a fun movie. And I remember he, I think he was possibly dubbed, but it sounded like David's voice, and his English was very very good. And I've seen him in vintage interviews around that time speaking very very fluent english so uh, it was he was probably chosen uh, because of that too to kind of lend some credibility to, to the production and not have a chinese performer being dubbed by someone someone else so uh, i really like that have you seen legend of the seven golden vampires and did you like it i have not seen it no um there was it wasn't legend of the seven golden but was it one of two or one of three uh, co-productions between um Shaw, uh, Shaws and Golden, not Shaws, Shaws and Hammer. Uh, either two or three. The other one is the T Long star uh, Shatter, or they call That's him it, Mr. Yeah. Shatter, with uh, uh, Whitman is his uh, second name. Stuart Whitman, possibly? The American star, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's the kind of the international star in that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the year, like, like you were saying around his time, it was just, um, there was obviously such box office kind of successes you know between the uh, four of them um that, that they were kind of extending out to kind of international co-productions and obviously all these guys themselves you know started directing around this time um as we kind of spoke about in the past with like t lung this is when they started kind of you know getting all hands on deck and 
doing everything. His first movie wasn't very good either. Young Lovers on Flying Wheels. Yeah, I'm sure we just, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we've discussed that one of them. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, you know, even so, the, the quality might be kind of, you know, not not there. But uh, at least they're all kind of branching out and kind of been given the opportunity to do so. I mean, out of those two co-productions, uh, Seven Golden Vampires is absolutely fantastic. Shatter is a fun movie, but it's not quality throughout. I mean, it's a modern action movie, and it's it's not like a classic or anything, but I enjoy the fact that it, it is a co-production, and it's got some cool violence in there as well. I mean, it's it's not a waste of time at all, in my opinion, which is not everybody's opinion, as I've found out over the years. <laughs> Frequently with every movie. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, check it out if you can find Shatter and Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. It's just uh, really, really entertaining. Uh, I have not seen a Hammer Dracula movie, so it's probably not the best Hammer Dracula movie that they made, but it is fun. And uh, that's all I wanted out of it. It's, it's a cool little one. Uh, awesome. So so there we go. And as you said, I mean, David Chang and these various players, they eventually dabbled in behind the scenes work and uh, kind of the reason why David's career got started, it's part of the reason I suppose, in terms of directing is that Hong Kong did suffer an economic crisis in the 70s and it said that Shaw Brothers had to reduce their expenses by letting some of their stars go and pursue work elsewhere, you know, jump back and forth between studio and independent essentially. Uh, Shaw would be associated with some of these indie productions, you know, they would step in as distributors, but uh, they they weren't they were filmed elsewhere, and uh, they, therefore they didn't put as much money in them as a regular production that they made. And uh, David actually formed the independent uh, company Chang's Scope Company with Chang Che in Taiwan in 1973 as a result of all this, uh, with encouragement by Run Run Shaw and. By by this point, therefore, he began focusing on developing skills in writing and directing and producing, and did debut through this uh, company. Actually, there, there's no uh, that logo. Chang Scope Company is not on this particular print, but uh, it, it does say like Chang Che Presents or, or something like that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there is some science there. This being somewhere somewhat of an outside production and it is the drug addicts, and this is 1974. And uh, it can be argued that David's uh, acting career kind of uh, he hit a bump in the road by the mid-70s. Uh, you know, he got frequent work both outside and within Shaw Brothers, um, but uh, it's his uh, it's kind of best run is, you know, M60s up until mid-70s, I suppose. Uh, but uh, he teamed up, for instance, with uh, Jimmy Wang Yu, Jimmy Belland, Jimmy Wang Yu, I suppose. <laughs> Just Belland, I suppose. We all know who that is, therefore. Well, it's, it's a nickname we coined with love. Well, it's, a nickname, it's a nickname George Lazenby coined with love. Not well, not exactly Bellin, but uh, along those words, <laughs> prick. I think it was. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> well, and uh, we're talking about uh, Jimmy Wang, of course, and they, they teamed up David and Jimmy Wang Yu for One Armed Swordsman. Obviously, One Armed Swordsman and Return of the One Armed Swordsman, starring Jimmy Wang Yu. New One Armed Swordsman was uh, David Chang's uh, foray into the One Armed Hero role, and they. Yeah. Combined for this uh, Taiwanese movie that I haven't seen, and they both directed the movie too, so which is uh, kind of cool. At Shaw Brothers in the late 70s, he got a great fighting showcase working for Lao Garlong in Shaolin Mantis, uh, David Chang is, and uh, uh, that is great, but uh, I love uh, possibly his best fighting showcase for my money's worth came when working with Eric Tsang and the director Eric Tsang in this case, alongside Norman Choi and Philip Kofei in two movies shot in 1979 and 1980 or released in 1979 and 1980. And those movies were The Loot and The Challenger. Fantastic. 
fantastic kung fu movies. You know, their comedies can be annoying, but man, is the kung fu fantastic in those two movies. Yeah, the fight scenes are really good. And I think it's the peak of kind of, you know, David Chang as a kind of martial artist, um, martial arts performer on screen. <sighs> definitely, definitely. Fairly fun movies too, not these like shot outdoors, very annoying kung fu comedies. It has some wit too, uh, but uh, the fight scenes obviously are the supreme star in those two movies. Really, 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 really fun, directed by Eric Tsang. Uh, one notable example that uh, in terms of his acting, uh, uh, maybe not so much his acting, but his production is fun to talk of. And uh, David worked at Cinema City in their ghost comedy, Till Death Do We Scare. And uh, the funny thing about that one is they actually, they had the money and uh, could reach out to outside talent to provide the makeup in that movie. And they actually hired Tom Savini of Dawn of the Dead fame. And uh, obviously had worked with uh, George Romero and Martin and uh, went on and uh, went on to do Day of the Dead and many other people, uh, many other movies. And uh, Tom Savini did the makeup effects for Till Death Do We Scare. And it's not a gore movie, but clearly like, the ghostly versions of some of these actors, like Wong Ching, not to be uh, confused with Wong Chung in this movie. Uh, Wong Ching has, in reality, a very pronounced smile. You know, his smile is very big. Mm. So the ghostly apparition of him is him just pulling his own skin into this wide, 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 wide smile, you know. Oh, man, he's checked that out. I really need to check that out. I think that's really, that's really cool. It's very odd that it happened, but it's, just, it's really cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, Tom Savini didn't, like, request, like, okay, I want 99% of your budget as my pick. Mm, but no. still, it's not very common this, to just rope in someone for a ghost comedy. You know, it's not a gore movie. It's not a horror movie. It's a ghost comedy. And it, it's good fun. No, like thorough classic that uh, needs to be talked of every day by everyone but it is good fun and uh, so um, so so David I mean if you summarize it uh, if you talk of his um, like experiences he, he's been around good both local and international company over the years because I'm sure it was a delight to be around a legend like Peter Cushing you know to get one-on-one mm-hmm. scenes with him in Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires and I don't know how famous Tom Savini was but I'm sure when he got onto the production that people like set up the fact that this guy you know is one of the best you know we're getting one yeah, of the I best think he must have been fresh off uh, what first the first Friday 13th that's probably I true yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Must have, I mean I think which is probably one of the you know, the biggest movies he works for did he, or did he do the burning after that I think burning might have been 81 but either way I mean Friday 13th was a massive film yeah yeah I think Maniac was that so I mean he, he, I mean that was kind of yeah big big peak for him the kind of that top of the 80s so god I, I mean to get him at that point, going to Hong Kong, the best. Yeah, I mean, you're getting one of the best kind of in the game at that point. So, I mean, it's, it's an amazing kind of uh, yeah, combination. Indeed. And uh, back to David in terms of his 80s um, bio. Uh, as the turn of the decade happened, uh, David began using his uh, personal English name more, you know, John Kern. And you can see that on this, uh, on some of the movies he directed in the 80s. Uh, because, again, David was more of a stage name given to him by Chang Che. And by this time, uh, David was not working at Shore Brothers anymore. And uh, his directing career really started to uh, flourish in terms of um, frequency. And certainly um, crit- uh, critical acclaim, too, in the 80s. Uh, for instance, uh, we will touch upon these movies in depth, uh, but 1981's The Legend of the Owl is a frantic kind of martial arts genre parody, almost. Uh, but, but Chang dabbled in a variety of genres, including drama and action movies. You got Will of Iron, The Wrong Couples, which is a drama comedy. My Dear Son, which is a drama with him and uh, no, not him, but uh, uh, Bill Tong and uh, Jackie Chung. And acting-wise, he uh, actually returned uh, working with his show 
chumps in 1987 because uh, Just Heroes was this uh, charity movie for Changchi, uh, you know. Yep. So they all uh, came out for his for their directing mentor, you know, the the old Shorov's God to appear in that co-directed John Woo action movie. And uh, the other director was uh, Wu Ma, which makes sense because Wu Ma was an apprentice under Chang Chia for many, many years and uh, got to direct uh, fairly extensively. But the biggest, biggest role for David around this time would have to be in uh, Choi Hark's Once Upon a Time in China 2 in 1992, I think. I guess the first one was 91. So where he plays, where he plays the revolutionary that befriends Jet Li's character Wong Feiyong. And it's a really good performance in a really, really classy movie. It's, uh, two is, three is my favorite for some reason. Once Upon a Time in China, three. I really, really like that. It's a warm movie and it's really well made, but two is, uh, really, um, uh, Choi Hak and everyone at the top of their game, of their game and that style and series getting its groove on really well. So, um, I like it really. Yeah. I like it. Yep. And, and David is really good at it in it. I mean, a veteran character actor coming in there, you know, a veteran martial arts superstar, but now a veteran character actor can be argued, and he brings uh, he brings uh, that uh, presence. So it's uh, very very good. Uh, he directed his last movie out of uh, out of in total fifteen movies in 1995, and that is Mother of a, of a Different Kind. And it's more of a he is more of a sporadic movie actor nowadays. He took small uh, roles in the likes of Derek Yee's too young, starring J.C. Chan before he started to smoke up, smoke up, <laughs> smoke <laughs> <the> reefer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he is briefly in Johnny Toe's election. I believe he plays a police commander or a police officer, and he is listed. And this is the recent info as one of the cast in the Donnie Yen starer Kung Fu Jungle, which is a horrible title. God damn it! What an unappealing title. <laughs> Kung yeah, Fu Jungle, yeah. like he's fighting lions and shit. He's probably not fighting lions and shit. It would have been great, but Kung Fu Jungle, <laughs> come on. That, that's like a bad working title. It does sound like a bad working title. That's a good cast, you know. Well, you know it's Donnie, David, Alex Fong's in it as well. I think it should be pretty interesting, you know. I mean, today, it just feels so almost retro to name anything Kung Fu nowadays. It, it, yeah, it's throwback a bit, almost. Yeah, to, it's, uh, it's a bit yeah. mild now. Nowadays, it needs to be hard. Harder, like for us to get, you know, our Donny Donny and Boner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but there you go. Also, finally, the, David is a nominated TV actor to, uh, among other things, he worked on a show, and I believe this was the one he was nominated for, called Revolving Doors of Vengeance in 2006. So uh, you could see him or, or can see him on TV, on TV nowadays. That's the only thing I don't keep track of uh, easily is uh, what uh, certain uh, actors are doing nowadays on TV and if they are on TV. But there you go. He's alive and well, and uh, maybe he'll direct again. Who knows? And uh, for me, David is a bit of an inspiration because he could have been lumped into this pretty boy folder, and that would have been it. But Shaw Brothers groomed him a little bit more than that because uh, at the time, I mean, he's a, he's a good-looking man. At that time, his boyish looks, I'm sure, made him idolized. Yeah. And his uh, screen persona was, uh, I'm, I'm sure, young audiences liked too, you know, uh, whether whether they were sword play or kung fu movies, I'm, I'm sure he was a hit with girls and uh, young adults. Uh, so, but he still carved out kind of his own career. Eventually, he wasn't groomed in that horrible way where he was like 100% steered into something he didn't want to be. You know, he was uh, controlled, but not without talent, because clearly, as a young guy, okay, we're gonna put you in movies. Uh, I'm gonna direct them. Chang Chia, that is. So, 
you know, you're in my stable kind of, but he showcased talent and versatility and got to develop that. And that, that is, uh, that's really good. I mean, without that talent, he wouldn't have had further kicks and been chosen for co-lead in an international co-production, as we mentioned. So it's clear that there was clearly something there. For me, and we'll see what you think of this as the series goes along. For me, it's more inspiring where he took his directing career post Shaw Brothers. Because he made four movies at Shaw Brothers as director. But I like the fact that he took advantage of a prolific Hong Kong cinema and dabbled in a variety of genres with a fair to good results, in my opinion. It's fun that, you know, he was an entertainer as, as, a, as a young one and... Uh, being a creator clearly runs in the family to some degree. I mean, the half-brother was the one that really took the directing reins, like that kind of creativity. Yeah. But uh, it, it's, an, it's an interesting family of entertainers that you can argue that you kind of plant that in the genes in some kind of way. It just seemed destined to be that way, that um, the creative gene would carry over and it uh, and it kind of did in the entire family so um yeah it is it is kind of weird when you get these families of kind of you know performers and entertainers and artists it's very odd i mean is it you know whether it is it because there's a gene there kind of just to kind of uh you know for them to keep striving at, at you know keep kind of working hard and, and kind of making their uh their own look that way uh you know or is it just they're just kind of naturally creative it's uh it's, it's a weird one, but it is interesting when these families, and when they're all the kind of specialists in different areas as well, it's always cool to see. I don't think David appeared uh, many times alongside his um, half-brother, at least. I can only think of one time. I mean, obviously, Paul Chun was in David's uh, movies um, a few times, but The Death Duel, the Derek E. star, I believe David has a minor appearance in that one. Uh, I believe David is like the prisoner that is transported uh, in the movie this very very violent violent prisoner that they have uh, locked into this box with only his head picking out uh, the top of the box he's in uh is samo um where's officer tuba i think with with his brother i think i'm gonna say that because he plays he plays a sporting sporting uh sporting kind of lead in that i'm sure yeah paul's in there in a small role as well so that that's one I think I don't know where they get a lot of on. You're, 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 you're very right. One. You're very right. And David has a fantastic character name in there. Where's Officer Tuba? Sergeant Rambo Chow. Yeah, Rambo Chow. <laughs> yeah, his mom gave him that definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've heard, heard fun things about that movie. I've not seen it though. So uh, it's good. It's good. I'll, it's I'll get around to it eventually. Uh, anything spontaneous you want to share about David Chang, like your fandom or lack of fandom? I don't know. What, what do you think of it? David Chang. I've all. I mean, I've always, just to kind of brutally honest, I've always found him quite bland as a lead performer. He he also, he looks like a girl I used to go to school with. <laughs> so that's that's always weirding me out every time I see him. I always think about that. Uh, but regardless of that, uh, he's, I think he's a great, great character actor and supporting actor. Um, you put some someone who's never really set the screen alight for me personally as a leading man. Um, I love him in uh, Box from Shantung, but I think... That's more the Chen Kwan Tai kind of factor. Um, sure. And I, I think it's always great to kind of have him there support, but I think I need something else to, someone else to carry the film a lot of the time. But he's great in the support role, like we just mentioned, where's Officer Tuba? He's in uh, Tiger on the Beat. Yeah, Once Upon China 2, as you said. Like he, he, I think he pops up in these great kind of um, supporting roles. But yeah, I mean, as a lead, he's just never really kind of... You know, set my world on fire. But um, I'm, I'm interested to go through 
you know, it, it'll be interesting and a bit different with this director series because, as I say, I'm going to his filmography completely fresh in terms of his directorial stuff without seeing any of his, you know, work. So my opinions will be completely off the bat and very initial new thoughts and comments as I see the films. But um, I, I, I can tell you this much: uh, you, um, there's no like the roles he got in movies is not the kind of movies he made himself. You know, it feels so in my mind the movies he created were so kind of different especially when we reached the 80s so, you know he was kind of carving his own path you know they're, they're definitely not like a, a third rate heroic bloodshed movie by David Chang or what have you they're like their own movies and that's a that's a great grade already that it doesn't feel this transparent the intentions uh, of him as a director you know what i mean yeah 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 i mean uh, yeah i was, uh, definitely looking forward to kind of seeing that um and seeing kind of the path that he takes kind of you know carving a kind of niche for himself in, in a directorial uh position but yeah someone i've always loved more as a sporting actor rather than a lead but um you know I can definitely see why he was such, again, he is, you know, obviously the boyish kind of handsomeness about him. And obviously he was massive, as we said at the time, um, along with his other brothers working for, for, for Shores. But yeah, that's kind of my opinion of him. But I, I do enjoy seeing him in things, in uh, popping up here and there, kind of in the latest stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've always, in general, really dug his uh, team-ups with uh, Tilong, uh, especially when they were both leads. Uh, I mean, Vengeance is a great, great, like, gritty, bloody one, you know, David Chang in a white suit all bloodied up by the end of the movie, you know, it's it's a perfect uh, uh, perfect thing, but, you know, the duel with him and Tilong and... Uh, it's, you know, such great fun. The new on Swordsman is, uh, you know, a great chang Chia massacre, and I, it's a, I, I suppose I like Chang Chia's, you know, violent movies a lot already, so it helps that, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, they're not filled with fantastic acting, but, you know, Boxer from Shantung is a minor appearance, but it is fantastic because of Chen Quan Tai getting a chance to be, yeah. uh, to be this lead and taking it, t- taking it, uh, t- taking that chance and running with it very, very well, but uh, uh, there's a uh, no, decent comfort factor there, and V80 stuff is mm. interesting uh, because uh, it's not very uh, predictable either in terms of his acting choices. You know, everything from, you know, he's a, he's a minor, he has a minor role in the very underrated movie Soul, where, whereas uh, Angel, he plays essentially like the li- leader of the angels in Angel. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Minor role in it's a mad, mad, mad world. Uh, very fun uh, Lydia Shum uh, Bill Tone comedy. So uh, yeah, it's uh, pl- there's plenty of stuff there. And the Revenge Ghost of the Tree I haven't seen, but it sounds fantastic. <laughs> the uh, the the alternate title of Soul is Mother Slutty Enough. I'm not sure that's an alternate <laughs> title. That's a mean. That's a meaning, you know. HKMDB literally says meaning. It's a it's a it's a revenge movie. Um, Diane Yip. Uh, uh, her husband is uh, David Chang, and he dies early in the movie, and so it's a revenge movie. And, uh, so Diana Yip is uh, very good in it. Directed by Shu Kei, which is a uh, very famous uh, director and uh, movie critic. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the Chinese meaning sometimes can come out. Yeah. Mother, slutty enough? Question mark? <laughs> is that a question? Or no, 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 no. That would have been awesome. <laughs> like, whoa. 
That's a serious move. That's award-winning stuff now. I mean, is it someone saying, is mother slutty enough? Or is he going, mother, am I slutty enough? I mean, it's, it's, it's a question, obviously, you ask your mom from time to time, you know, am I slutty enough, mom? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, am I? Whenever we reach the Shu K director series, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk again. <laughs> well, he produced Fuck Off, didn't he? Or, <laughs> yeah, there is a movie called Fuck Off. Yeah. <laughs> Like late 90s movies, so there you go. Back to the drug addicts. Uh, so let's do a short opinion first before we dive into his Shaw Brothers debut. So first of all, Tom, a little brief opinion of the drug addicts. The drug addicts, I mean, it's a bore fest. I mean, uh, I just, uh, it, it was kind of, I got to halfway point and I was literally almost in a coma. I just I had nothing, there was just no, there's just nothing in it the slightest to recommend to anyone. Like, I literally just think it's just, it's, Dry as the fucking desert. There's just nothing in it to to really bring it above that kind of average, average level. That's my personal opinion on it. Right on, right on. Um, it's uh, what I do admire about it is that it mostly goes the drama route because you would have expected it to be an all-out action movie based on this uh, the track record of the performance. But over-the-top acting and heavy-handed commentary aside, his debut. David's debut is flimsy and even borderline weak. So I agree. I, I, I find it terrible to watch, uh, to- tolerable, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very, very weak, actually. It's so long, I think, both these films, like, if they were like 80, 80 so minutes, but they're like nearly 100 minutes, and I was just thinking... Oh, like, they're not that long. I mean, they're, They no. are, they're like 90, 96 minutes. One was 97, like one was 88, or something like that, so they felt long, one of them felt long, so... Okay, well, <laughs> they could have been an hour, they could have felt like two hours, so... Uh, but, but, but the thing is, I, I, I was interested in, you know, I, I, I couldn't look up any of this stuff, but, you know, I was thinking of, like, actors getting a chance to direct at Shaw Brothers, and it seems like, to me, and this is a very weak, loose theory, that if you were a star, it seems like you could get a chance whether you dreamt of directing or not. Mm-hmm. You know, so, some ran with it well. Some lost steam immediately. I mean, T. Long only directed two movies. Um, um in 1974 and 1975. So when we look at Chang's directing career, there, there is, you know, obviously he wanted to pursue it more and more and more. You know, he, he wasn't forced into it um, as such. Maybe he didn't feel comfortable doing these two. Uh, maybe he was kind of pushed into it, like, go, go, playtime. Yeah, that's that's how I feel with, with, with both of them. It's almost like maybe that he was given the opportunity, but under kind of the, the, the pretenses that he would make a film of this caliber with this story with this star with this story maybe you know the the quality kind of ups in his later films because he you know it was his own ideas it was his own kind of from the heart you know directed films whereas these are a bit more maybe mandate you know mandate kind of films yeah it's it's certainly uh, mad world of fools feels like this okay we'll do something uh Kwang, the writer right now you know yeah, you write yeah, you write yeah. script now and uh we'll 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 work so, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. I don't, I, mean, I don't know whether he was just he might be restricted or limited, and you know, resources-wise. But yeah, it just doesn't even feel like he's there directing. I mean, there's nothing there to. Uh, there's nothing. It doesn't feel like a director's film. It doesn't feel like there's anyone there behind the helm of of kind of no. It just feels like the film's just there. It would just. It just magically appeared with with everyone in it. But I do like, and you, you I. I, I think I can get you to agree with me on this one. That the opening uh, with uh, the coloured backgrounds, but the people there's uh, people smoking in front of it instead and doing drugs, is this tweak of the kung fu demo that is 
so, so, sort of semi clever, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I just hate that. It just, it's very, it's almost like a very kind of cartoonish way of looking at, kind of childish way of looking at drug addiction as well. I mean, it ain't no train spotting, is it? It's, it's, you know, it's like, it's kind of just, it's kind of very kind of like, it's almost like the, the, the drug part isn't really necessary because it's not really part of the film. It's not about drug addiction. It's about this kind of crime tale. And, you know, the undercover, people going undercover, you know, police, you know, working with, with, with criminal, it's, it's, criminals, it's, it's, it's not really necessary to report. And I think it, it rears its head kind of very early on. And then. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, you can lead into the discussion of the fact that, um, you know, uh, as you said, the drug part uh, doesn't take up much of the movie. And uh, well, well, before I say all of that, uh, one slight bonus is that this is not a glossy studio-bound movie. You know, it's shot on uh, outside locations, modern locations, which is fine. And then, unfortunately, I, I hate to talk ill of the man, but then, unfortunately, T. Long enters as a drug addict. And this yeah. is... Uh, think of this as another... You remember Louis Koo in Protégé and how, uh, like, pla- yeah, plastered on... And no, he was not amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. This, like, <laughs> yeah, you're a drug addict. Bring it the fuck down. <laughs> I, I mean, it's... it's. Uh, I hate when uh, drug addiction kind of is just uh, pasted on an actor and it's just act weird and really drugged out. Just, and it's, go, just go off and fucking one. It's not even like it's, you know, bringing out... Oh, what emotions are you feeling when you when you you're drugged up and you're going cold turkey? It's just it's just it's black and white. It's like you're on drugs, you just go fucking crazy, or you know you're sober, you're fine, you're getting on with your kung fu. It's just it's so black and white, so charged. And that cold turkey scene in the beginning with T Long goes on for so fucking long. It seems like an eternity when he's getting trapped in that shed. When all you needed was one moment of him maybe bugging out, and then that's it. Like get on with the plot, but he's just going on and on for ages. And it's just like. Dude's not drugged up. It's like he's only, you know, he's just hammered or something. Like, you know, he's just drunk because he's just wrecking the place, just in rage. It's ah, oh. and in slow motion, slow motion as well. And <laughs> the thing, the thing is that they love this. The editor of this film loves as well replaying the same shot over and over again, the exact same shot to emphasize something happened multiple times. It happens about three or four times in the film. By the third time, I was just like, well, come on, like, why are you doing it? It's such like it's just unnecessary. I know they're probably trying to. You know, use limited resources, but it just seems like just get the dude's kick three times or get this person to do this action three times. You don't need to keep replaying the same shot. It's just irritating. I mean, it's all well-meaning, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, Wong Chung's performance, which I have to say he is, uh, compared to most other people, and especially versus T. Long, is very, like, low-key. He looks very sincere. You don't really know why he's helping out T. Long, but when T. Long comes at you with this big performance, you know, it's it's not affecting and also it's like i don't know it's almost i, I have no experience with um, drug addiction or drug addicts in my life but it seems uh, i get a bit uncomfortable when it's so pasted on and like uh that's probably what drug addiction looks like uh disrespectful to a degree and and yeah yeah. And and you and you don't kick it over one night, your habit, which oh, I is what. I wouldn't really think so. No, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't think it's as easy as getting into a shed and just, 
you know, have it. Oh, oh, oh Tito, put your head down, mate, for a few hours. Just go to sleep. Come on, you'll wake up. You'll feel all right. Yeah, I feel great now. Let's go do some kung fu. Like, I don't think it's as easy as that. I think it's, you know, long and painful and, and hard to kick something like, like that. And it is, it is. It's quite disrespectful when it's just kind of like brushed under the carpet like that. It's like, oh, it's just this you know, drug addiction. But what is it? Is it it's opium, I assume, that, that, that kind of that's, that's what the the drug is that they're, they're using the drug I mean it's not impossible I suppose uh, yeah. I, I never really understood what, what um, there was some kind of white uh, uh, firm material or powder I don't know I, again I, 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 I no idea how it works so but but, uh, but but okay David Chang is not like inviting us to this sunshine tale of uh, uh, of you know, is uh, trying to make us make us feel and trying is the is the word here, make us have that like reality check, which is good with movies sometimes. But you you know you have to make it um, you have to make it real and felt too, and that that's evident earlier that it's not going to work. And especially again as he's in the shed for one night, he's you know you survived, you're clean and sober, and then it mm. seems like the same morning he's back looking like a young Tilong again. Uh, in shape and he's back teaching kung fu and that that doesn't make at all sense that it should go that far there, there's no there's no title cards either like five nights later or five weeks yeah, later I do, even how you know weak that would be i would prefer that you know week later comes out with a beard and and he's, he's past it like, yeah. even that and it's almost kind of borderline sexist that obviously um oh, what's her name she she, she obviously is the, the kind of the, the love interest gets addicted as well already is addicted and they've got to take her to an hospital and she's with the nurses and the nurses take her away and she's in there for how long obviously over an extended period of time because stuff happens at the same time mm-hmm. and that's how she gets clean but you know Tilon goes in a shed for a night and he's he's sound with it so it's almost like you know it, it's almost like they don't quite know like oh will it take this long will it take that long we don't quite understand i mean because it's never mentioned how long either of them are addicted or how long they've, they've been kind of addicts. It's just kind of, it's just there. That he's on drugs, so he gets over it. She's on drugs, it takes her a week to go over it in, in hospital. It's just... well, well, judging by this movie's logic, I think T. Long was a drug addict for one day. <laughs> yeah, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on drugs, help me. And then, and then he needed a few hours in the shed and then, then it was good to go again. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like demanding filmmakers to like, uh, show the full effects of a body deteriorating from drugs and like you know I can buy the fact that they look cleaner you know and they yeah. you know because you've seen us before and after pictures of people on meth and what have you I'm, I'm not demanding that but it just feels so like um one 12th minute drug addict 13th minute not a drug addict 14th yeah. minute kung fu expert again yeah. good we got it we got it we got it it's like it's just like kind of like wanting the cake and eating it too. It's like we want this kind of drug, this drug tale, this storyline of of addicts and stuff. But you know, but we don't want to get too bogged down. We want we want to get on with the the kind of the crime story. So just just you know, just fuck it off. Like just just leave the just leave the the, the drug storyline. Just leave it kind of there. You don't need that. Just go with the kind of crime tale. Keep it simple, and then you won't get people kind of looking at the screen going, "What the fuck? Like, what is this about? Like I don't know why this is needed." But again, it's it's just it's just there's a there's about ten minutes of plot in the whole thing, and it's just stretched out to nine minutes, and it's just what minuscule plot there is just can't muster up the slightest spark to keep you there kind of in proceedings and interested well well, just... well let's talk a little bit about how what that plot is too because i mean i'm 
as I said, I could, it's a tolerable watch, but I still give it a weak grade. And that means I, I'm, I could look at the screen and wonder to myself, why is Wong Chung helping out T Long? Is it just because he's kind? And that, mm. that is not a bad track of all to have. I can deal with that. But it's when T Long, uh, is back at his Kung Fu school and, uh, Kong Do. Uh, one of the henchmen to uh, the big uh, syndicate head is trying to rope him in and trying to get him on drugs again. That's when mm. I thought, like, I don't know what's going on. And this it is now it's a mystery that is not good for the movie. I realized later in the movie that it, uh, there's a weak, weak, weak reasoning that the syndicate head wants to take no chances and kind of kill off Tilo's character because he's yeah. working with the police. But this is so spotty. And that's why it doesn't work. Um, it, when you wonder to yourself of sim- about simple things like that, then there's a problem here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if you're questioning the very you know fabric of the film, like the, the the kind of the earliest kind of instance of something confused, you know, you question it from the very get go. It, it, obviously, the film's not quite, you know, and, and it's not a, a payoff really, a big payoff. It just seems like wasted. It just seems kind of like. You know, not necessary to kind of put in there. Because, I mean, it, it, she, like, that's her character. Um, I think Louis, Louise Lee, the actress. It's her character's introduced at that point as well. And it's almost like T Long's going to, why is she introduced? Why is she the prostitute? And why is something going on there? Why is that being traded for no drugs if T Long's not on drugs? It's just. I it's just it's just bizarre. Like I just uh, I don't understand it. It's just not. It's, it's, not it's very unex- it's very unexplored as well. This and uh... unexplored. I think because the characters themselves are kind of quite weakly characterized as well. It's not. We don't get. You can't tell straight away from their actions why they why they're doing it. It just seems like okay they're doing it, but I don't understand why because they're not fleshed out enough. They're kind of just walking around. And I mean I, I hate to say it, but too long. He's just he's just he's on you know cruise cruise mode. He's just kind of just coasting through it. And there's. There's nothing really. There's nothing really there because I think even when he's on screen, it's it's not particularly interesting. I mean, he's 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 working with the material. Okay, the material's a bit flat. He's working with it, but even again, I mean, I think he'd be maybe there's been a better performance there. It might come alive a bit, but again, it's just it's not. It's kind of like drab acting and and drab drab, drab script as well. It's just drab direction. It's just uh, it's just not it's just not working. Well, how did you think uh, Wong Chung fared in comparison? Uh... Wong Chung's alright. I mean, he's not too bad. I think he does alright. He's kind of like he's playing that. Uh, do I know is this guy good or bad? And I think his looks as well. He doesn't have a necessary a kind of a, a heel look. He doesn't necessarily have a kind of leading man hero look either. Mm-hmm. So I think he he sits well on the fence with that. Um, and you're kind of guessing like, oh, is he? You know, is he kind of helping or is he hindering? But again, like it's almost like his actions aren't particularly. You don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, it seemed like a fair mystery early on when you don't know much about the movie. Like, why is he helping out? But uh, but it never really gets like to any aha. Now it now it works. Now it makes sense. Um, kind of kind of point. Uh, by the way, uh, Wong Chung also um, directed uh, eventually at Shaw Brothers uh, and a few good movies after Shaw Brothers that I really like. Um, Vampire's Breakfast with uh, Ken Cheng and uh, Emily Chu. Really really fun movie. Yep. And uh, Run uh, Fractured Follies, uh, the Chinese oh, Fat movie. Yeah, yeah Joey and Chinese Fat. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, Run Don't Walk, which is uh, with T Long, which is, if my memory is correct, essentially uh, the Hong Kong remake of the Nick Nolte Martin short movie Three Fugitives. Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a remake? 
Uh, it feels very, it's very similar. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's, it's actually good fun. So Wong Chung uh, turned out to be a, a pretty decent director for five or six movies. Um, the, the action is nothing here. It's nothing to write home about either. There's some quick, gritty, bashy-like brawls before the finale, which is an action finale. Eventually, the movie feels very commercial because it ends on action. But the, the, there's nothing memorable because it's not its focus either. So it feels like they just put together some quick brawls and, that, you know, that, that that's it but i gotta tell you a performer i really really like is um the old master or the syndicate head played by law dick yeah. uh the old man i really like this uh like really cruel character like he's effective and as stern uh, as this stern master who sits on his throne and uh and uh you know is on top of things but when he snaps into like gleeve his gleeful violent self I really dig that. He, he, he's got an edge to him that is way too good for this movie. Yeah, I'd agree. It's almost like he's wasted. Like, you can see it kind of bubbling there, kind of beneath the surface, something good with, with his character and kind of... He's just not giving the material there because I think the whole syndicate stuff, like, uh, the whole kind of cutting each other and uh, drinking blood and that, it just goes on for too long. It just... It just again, it just feels like the scene just not necessary. Just give me, give me a quick hint of that. Let me know what's going on. It, I don't need this whole thing of every single person drinking each other's blood and cutting themselves. And it's yeah, just... that definitely was one when I reacted to, okay, like we got five or six too many, you know, sips, uh, sips of blood here. But it, it, it's cool to that the Lihoi Sang gets a fairly early, like, um, a prominent role. He's the second in command, essentially, of uh, and the, uh, not too bad. I'm, I'm happy to see that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, as the movie goes on, like this so-called strong connection between uh, Tilong's character and uh, uh, Yuan Li, the female character, it's not convincing either because at one point uh, he's faked his death, Tilong's character. Okay, so he has to hide out, but she's in danger. So we are supposed to believe that their connection is so strong that he's willing to go into the city again and uh, out himself, essentially. Like, hey, I'm alive, but I gotta save her. So it's... It, David uses a lot of non-verbal stuff to try and convince us of this romance, and that doesn't work, and I don't think it would have worked if it was very verbal either. Um, so, I mean, there, there's nothing to attach to here, and uh, i got to tell you, the only thing I can attach to is the action ending. The action ending is pretty decent in terms of its uh, brutality and the primal nature of it. Uh, I, I like the team-up of, again, Lord Dick, and Lee Hoi San versus Wong Chung and Tilong. It's it's nicely violent, but it's obviously nothing that saves uh, the entire movie at all. But it, it's a it's a decent sequence to have in a movie. That's pretty much uh, pretty much it. You remember uh, spoilers, but whatever. Well, what one character gets uh, when he dies? I think it's a Lord X character. He gets his eyes punched out but not gouged out like a fucking Chang Chia movie like they didn't go that far they wanted to keep it real so they essentially punched out his eyes or punched them in his body yeah I don't know what happened there that's, that's weird so, so you never saw that like big big splash of like uh, makeup on top of the eyes like uh, the, uh, like you did in uh, various Chang Chia movies it was just like they punched his eyes into his body or something <laughs> which uh, I, I like that as a variation of what you see in so many Shaw Brothers movies so a decent action ending uh, but again it's um, it's not a good debut and it's not affecting as a drug uh, addict drama and uh, as a crime movie it doesn't really you know, shake your Shake your foundation and make you interested in it. Um, 
I mean, uh, but, but, but again, listeners, why would I pick a bad movie? I didn't know it was a bad movie. Uh, it's really, but the fact. You fucking did. <laughs> I did not. I totally did not. Because no one speaks of these movies. You know, no one speaks of this. Don't warn me about it for what? I didn't warn you about Saga of the Phoenix. And I never intended to warn you about Saga of the Phoenix. <laughs> That was his point. <laughs> but, but, but here's again the point. Like, if you're going to examine a director, you examine the director. Yeah. In a, you, you try to get a sense of how it started, what was the middle like, and what was the end like, and this is how it started, and it didn't start well. Good, the good and the bad, you know, it's, it's just been what we've got to go through all, and I suppose it just makes the good stuff really good when we get to it, because, you know, we've been, I don't know, we've been coasting down, you know, the motorway, and then we finally hit, you know, open road, and we can smash it 90 miles per hour down you know down those you know good films uh but so that's pretty much it at the end of my notes but you want to say anything else i want to say that i think it's the weakest motorbike car chase just ever in the fucking world what is that about what's that i mean that's just i mean there's, there's a stunt that just looks absolutely appalling like i think i think he's telling himself slightly skids on the bike because like, ah! i think goes into a puddle it goes into a puddle at the bottom of a bank which is just uh... I don't know, I, just, I literally thought we were going to get something good there. I was like, oh, cool, like a fucking, you know, something like a chase. Okay, this will them. They literally go to a place that they just, they basically stop what they're doing there and then drive a bit with this this, this kind of car, bike chase, and then do exactly the same thing at the place they arrive in. <laughs> and it's pretty much the same exact events that happen and then Teelung bursts in again. I just feel like, what is the point? Just get Teelung's burst in the first bit and then, then have your finale. You could have made the film like three minutes and a... You fall into a puddle shorter. Uh, uh, what are you gonna do? But um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I agree with kind of pretty much everything. Second, the soundtrack is absolutely piss poor as well. It's just the choices. There's some cues here that sound like they're out of a score from a silent era romantic drama, and it, it's play, they're not even played with any thought as well. They're, they're just kind of played over dialogue and, and not even used for kind of dramatic effect. They're just there, and it just felt like it was very distracting at some points. Like this big kind of like piano kind of thing. I was just like. What is that about? I just don't. Why is that there? Feels very kind of very very heavy-handed. But yeah, I mean, very end. I think there's like a cool like drum, kind of really like heavy kind of drumming that kind of tries to pump things up, but it doesn't really. But yeah, the rest of the film is very odd scoring. But yeah, I mean, halfway in, I was I was ready to fucking quit. But march on, yes, hold it on for the good of the show. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's not it's not a good film. It's not a good film. If you would have quit, you would have no right to talk of the movie. You know that, right? It's, that's, no, 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 that's true. No, that's true. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. Like, I, I, I completely agree. That's one of my kind of like rules. I mean, you got to sit through the film. I think if you, you close halfway through, you got the right to say, I was a piece of shit. I closed halfway through. But yep. I think, you know, you got to, you got to have, to have a, a form and opinion. You have to see the whole thing, man. You exactly. need to judge Not all critics get that. Believe me, critics that are paid to watch movies for free. Like, don't get that. You know, you know, I, I'll give you that freedom, Tom. I, I'm, I'm, I may be the Hitler of this network, but I am also kind of cool that if you... <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> kind of cool like that. Uh, <laughs> if you feel like, I can't talk of this movie, can you do it by yourself and I can talk of the second movie instead? I, I'd be fine with that because I, I'm, I'm, I'm not difficult like that. No, I think that, that'd be fair. That'd rather be fair and said, you know what? I couldn't make it through. I've got no right to speak on a film. I'm just going to chalk it off to kind of, you know, that I didn't sit through it, so I can't judge it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true, man. It's true. It's Maybe we should uh, play it up like a bit, like, you you will you will be with me as I discuss the movie, but you'll place your microphone way ahead of you and you'll shout across the room, bullshit! <laughs> like, Tom, you didn't finish the movie. You're not allowed to talk, but I got them. You know it was bullshit, Ken. You knew it. 
What would you say? You didn't look at the chapter selection on the disc. Fuck off, mate. You haven't seen the <laughs> film. What are you on about? Yeah. What are you talk? What you didn't? You didn't read every subtitle. Sure, mate. You're not allowed to see it. You're not allowed to talk on it. <laughs> yeah, that's being that's being pedantic. I hope no one in this world is that pedantic. If so, <laughs> dear lord. Uh, but anyway, let's talk availability. Celestial and IVL's Hong Kong DVD is out of stock at the moment, and uh, what I found on eBay was uh, actually uh, because. These DVDs got a Taiwanese distributor in the form of Delta Mac. And that's the DVD I found on eBay. And it's the same as the Celestial IVL DVD. It's uh, merely a a new cover and kind of new, uh, 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 no English text on it either. So it's the same specs and content. It's remastered, English subtitle, Mandarin language. This version, however, maybe it's different on the Hong Kong DVD. I haven't seen the back cover of that. But this version spoils the movie. The final moments, the absolute final moments when one of the characters is uh, all bloodied up and uh, dead. That's the image on the back cover of the TV. Amazing. I mean, that's a production still in for the movie. It's there, but come on. Have a little like IQ for heaven's sake. (laughs) I mean, it would be like, I don't know, like putting like the ending of seven on the back of a cover. You know what I mean? I'm not going to (laughs) spoil the ending of seven, but like putting something definitive. You know, it, you don't do that if you have some uh, sense, but these people didn't. They did this cover anyway. So, so, so if you buy the, at least the uh, Delta Mac DVD, and if you're keen to, you know, pick this up, and if you can, don't watch the back cover. <laughs> just, just open the DVD, like throw the cover so in in another into another room, and then watch the DVD, and then come back to it. Like, <laughs> but you know, uh, but anyway, uh, there, there might be copies floating around at re- uh, for reasonable reasonable prices. I certainly got mine uh, for as much as you expect to uh, pay for uh, uh, this kind of DVD uh, uh, new. So. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a there's, there's a photo there's a I don't know if it's a, a kind of a lobby card or not but there's one of of actual David Chang in the film fighting with Tee Lung so I don't know whether that was a deleted deleted moment it feels like one uh, if he maybe he was like a blink and you'll miss him thug you know what I mean possibly it, I, it, I didn't see him uh, just for the hell of it you know but he's uh, wearing yeah. a very respectable uh, red and white checkered almost uh, I'd say I'd say picnic picnic uh, blanket-like shirt, so that's, that's nice to see. Maybe he was at a picnic with his girl, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just, you know, he just stripped off, got his titties out, and they, they had, uh, you know, they dined upon his shirt, possibly. I don't know. I don't know what happened, Ken. Why are you asking me for? <laughs> I'm not asking you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we are taking a break, and after that we are talking David Chang's second movie in 1974 called The Mad World of Fools. Uh, so I will check that out after the break. Welcome back, and the second review of the episode of this director series is of David Chang's A Mad World of Fools from 1974, released a few months after The Drug Addicts. Plot, uh, none. There literally is no plot. And if there was, it'll take um, uh, half an hour to go through it all. So, 
we, we, I'll, I'll let you know why that is. So, uh, background, there's tons of actors in this one, most prominent one being David Chang, and we've talked of him already. So, on with the review. And my short opinion, it certainly has what the title says. And what it is, is uh, a short story slash skit experiment. All right, there's several short stories here. That's why I didn't do a plot, because there's so many of them. I kind of think it's pointless. It was not what I expected. Again, I didn't know anything of it. But is it a successful exercise in that kind of short comedic storytelling? No. No. Oh, very, very no. Not really. There's some bizarre choices and content that amuses, but this is definitely even weaker than the drug addicts. Um, by the hour point, it sounds really annoying. Uh, no, so a big old pause on this one. So here we go. Uh, your brief opinion, Tom. Uh, if you want to see David Chang's take on uh, sketch comedy, and I say comedy in you know quotations, uh, with tits and fight scenes, then this is the film for you. For everyone else, uh, I'd say it's only marginally better than the previous film. So that's where we differ. I think it's slightly better, but it's mainly just down to it being a, a quicker I mean, it's quicker and there's there's a lot more going on and it hey, changes hey, quickly. Hey, hey, this one is longer. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's, it's bizarre to, to say that, but I mean, it just it, it for me. I mean, you could you could argue last the half an hour gets bogged down a bit. I mean, but it's just oh. it's quicker. It's still as bad and it's still as cringeworthy. It's still as like, oh, what the fuck are you thinking? But you know, it's still fairly poor. But I just think it's a bit more breezier and easier to get through for me personally. The, the time seemed to go quicker watching this film now i'm not talking like you know speedy i'm talking i mean if the first film was a slug then we're talking i don't know a beetle with this one you know a a beetle rolling you know a dung beetle rolling the dirt across where the previous one was a slug just just moving on that's an added bug analogy for you all right okay did you want me to stop now now yeah please So, okay, the title, A Mad World of Fools, because, again, I went into this uh, without knowing anything of it, so maybe they'll, we will have annoying fools, and, uh, of course, Dean Sheck opens the movie. Okie dokie, here we go. If you remember, Dean Sheck's Shaw Brothers career is not this fully comedic one. He, he had oh, very much yeah. different roles. So, and I didn't know at this point that this is a skit comedy, so I'm thinking, like, oh, it's a pre-reel of something, and, uh, oh, it's Dean Sheck. Well, it, it is pre a golden harvest seasonal Taiwanese uh, like on-screen annoyance and brilliance you know uh, because I think T-Shack is brilliant in his own way and he's sneaking about he's a thief uh, maybe he's preparing some dark stuff here you know he's, uh, go- he's breaking into this uh, uh, girl's apartment and she conveniently conveniently takes her clothes off and uh, and we get two movies in a row with nudity, therefore, from David Chang, because the first one had brief nudity as well. And, and uh, what it all comes down to, because we're not going to describe each and every one of the skits, but some we, we will go into some of them. And it's certainly the first one you got to speak a little of. So he does what he does and leaves the apartment and turns off the light to save energy, which we know because a text pops up on screen. Save energy. Okay, well, okay, fine. And what happens after all is said and done? He exits with his loot, which is underwear, which he sniffs. So it's a mad world of perverts. All right. So this is what the movie is about. It opens like that. Where's the credits? Oh, another story. And another story. And another story. (laughs) 
And another story. <laughs> okay, now I know what you're doing, David. So uh, <laughs> he just goes in and steals panties and, and a bra and just comes out and sniffs them and it's like sniffs uh, them like a motherfucker. What's, <laughs> a pro- he breathes in <laughs> that. <laughs> he breathes in that essence, man. Like <laughs> he is enjoying that, man. He doesn't even like waste any time, you know, getting back, put the kettle on, settling down. He just, in the alleyway, <laughs> sitting there, sniffing the shit out of those, literally sniffing the shit out of those pants and uh, bra. I mean, that's, uh, as soon as as soon as he popped up, Ken, I thought of you, like, I watched the film, as soon as that, that first moment, I was like, oh, God. I was wondering what Ken was thinking when he first saw this, like, oh, my, is this a fucking Dean Shek starring film or something? Like, what is going on? I was kind on? of looking forward to it, to be honest. Like, oh, hey. he's brilliant in his own way. But, Ken, what I want to say, have you seen his uh, last acting credit, The Raid? Yes, sir. From, like, is it any good? Uh, I like the movie as a whole. It looks cool, man. It looks it, cool. It's more about like a, a regular performance. You know, it's, uh, he, um, he has a little bit of old makeup on and plays like the editor of this. Uh, it's an adventure movie, an action adventure movie. I remember it was okay. I mean, uh, but um, yeah, so, so it was not Dean Sheck as we know him from either Better Tomorrow 2 or his comedic roles. It's, just, it's part of the action adventure and it's fine. It's fine. It's a, it's a Troy Hawk production and it's fine. That's the raid I've seen. <laughs> yeah, that's the only right I want to see. Uh, <laughs> um, if it ain't got Dean Sheck in it, I'm not buying it. <laughs> oh, no Dean Sheck? No, I'm out. I'm out sorry. So, but, but again, it, you don't... I don't know how, how early you picked up on the fact that it's probably a skit story, but I, I didn't get it until four or five of them into the movie, because even the short skit with Wu Ma as a flasher who meets another female flasher, which is Tina Chinfei. I love Tina Chinfei. She is gorgeous. Oh. And he freaks out because it's a female flasher, which doesn't make sense. That would be like a dream, wouldn't it? Like, like, yeah, I have something in common with her. So he freaks out, and that's another one done with. But, but I don't know. How, when did you kind of pick up on the fact that this is kind of where it's going or... You know, fast or way into it. I never picked up on it though. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I assumed, I assumed um, that when there's the first few skits, and it was, they're all kind of across that same background, aren't we? That kind of cheap television set kind of look. I thought the whole film was going to be skits of that, and I was just thinking, oh my god, how is this going to last? Like, you know, ninety so minutes with these kind of like little kind of basic two-person sketches on this, you know background like how is this going to work but then i think when it got to kind of the bigger sketches kind of the more developed kind of sketches i was like oh, okay well yeah this is this is going to be a bit more different this is going to be a ton of sketches hopefully i think what chang is trying to do as the storyteller and as he's kind of sporadically sort of a narrator not the crypt keeper but you kind of get you kind of get what i'm saying like he's sitting there in his chair share He's got Lee Hoi-san dressed as a genie behind him, but there's never any genie-like action, like, uh, you got free wishes, do what you want. Uh, but it's kind of like he's demonstrating that there's fools in this world, there's unexpected folks in this world and unexpected events, and it's all, it's mad. But, but it's, it, 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 it does it in a, it's never serious, of course, but... Uh, uh, I gotta say, uh, I mean, I got it by the po- by the time we get the first of two Chang short starers. That, you know, he's in the two longest ones, and I, I gotta say, he the f- left the studio. I think that was when I first started to realize. Yeah, exactly. And th- th- I think it's the most amusing one is when he um, dreams of uh, going on a like a day trip mm-hmm. with his girl, and he fights the kung fu thugs, and he's super awesome. 
Uh, he's uh, he's the awesomest awesomest guy in the whole awesome world. He's super awesome because he he can he can even take leaves and make them into like sharp projectiles, and he takes out you know Yun Chen Yan and uh, the various uh, recognizable Hong Kong uh, cinema <laughs> fighting thugs. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it's a fun kind of like it's in sepia tone I think so it's um, almost yeah. borderlining on a silent comedy then he wakes up and the, it amuses me the fact that he's, he's dreamt of the exact scenario he's going to experience in real life only he's not super awesome he's not super awesome yeah. at Kung Fu so it's all he's all, the character if you believe the short has a kind of sixth sense about these things he dreams of exactly what is going to happen to him <laughs> only he glorifies it a little bit in his dream or a lot, and and I gotta say, this short is Chang is not a Chang is not a great physical comedian. He's not even a great comedian, but this short is fairly amusing. I, I'd have to say it's the best one out of the bunch uh, for me. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, it's I think it's the one. It's actually got a payoff. Like it actually kind of it goes somewhere and there's a payoff to it. Whereas the rest of the sketches, they just don't go anywhere. They just kind of try to offer these amusing kind of like moments and these tidbits, but then they just end. Yeah. End kind of ridiculously. Like there's something there where I just feel like I don't know why this is doing it or why is this character doing this. Yeah, like exactly. where is this going? Like I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, some of them are so short there that there's uh, uh, okay, okay. What was that about them? They're all bordering on pretty terrible, but there are a few which are absolutely fucking loathsome. And um, the one that really sticks out is that guy, the guy that's too attached to watching TV. Is it? Yes. Uh, oh God! Uh, who is it? Who is it then? Um, I, I don't know the actor, but uh, remember, uh, yeah. but yeah, he comes. Oh, the, the scenario is: he comes home to his wife, and he pays only attention to the TV, and he's into it, like you read about. Now, even when there's wrestling on the TV, he throws himself around, and uh, and when there's uh, scary things on the TV, he's super scared, and and the only way, and this is why. It could have been fun if it had a payoff, but the only payoff is like, okay, the wife bites him and he snaps out of it. Via. That's the thing. What's that? Like, yeah, because he flicks David Chang and he goes, oh, yeah, this is the only way to, you know, this is the resolve of this. This is the only way to do it. Oh, there's no way to get him out of this situation. Bite him. I just like, it just, I got to the point where I just, I literally just get so irritated about what was going on. Oh, he's put his, uh, you know, he's he's eating rice with his hands. What an idiot! Oh, absolutely dire, absolutely Danny dire. Like, the, like he's so so bad. It just I, I was literally getting irritated because it's just so it's just it's such a stupid setup. It just doesn't. I don't know. I just don't even want to think about it. It just went on far too long as well, like, and it was just kind of every. And it's not very long either. I mean, that that is actually very. Sh- it's again. I think they get they get longer throughout the film, don't they? I think the skits they get like longer and longer. And obviously, the last half the last half an hour is like one big big kind of sketch. But oh Jesus, yeah. I, just... I think the worst one for me was uh, because again, it had no point uh, to it. Uh, uh, about this again, I can't even describe it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's about this three ob- wives one, oblivious old man with his three wives. Who, who wants him badly. And he goes, instead of wanting them back, he goes to a prostitute, cut to David Chang, the narrator, bedding them instead. Yes. Or something like that. Because they're in the background, and he's in the foreground telling us the so-called moral of the story, and then he gets into bed with one of them. Okay. Um, Right. Yeah, well, that was was awful. (laughs) He says something like, 
he says something like, oh, different things suit different people or something like that. And it's just like, it's like this is supposed to, what, well, that's supposed to, like, kind of resolve it. Like, that's supposed to be hilarious, is it? Like, oh, okay, cool. It's just, it's just like, what? I mean, that, ugh, I don't know, man. Like, because like, there's, there's, there's one that's pretty much, ex- not exactly the same, but there's one that's similar where, um, a businessman, his workers are trying to get the boss kind of a new like prostitute, I think, and they'd said, oh, I don't like this prostitute, I don't like that prostitute, and eventually he finds one who is stunning, by the way. I think she's credited as like Lily. I don't know what her full name is. Um, in the in the credits, because we didn't even mention like credits pop up every time a sketch finishes saying starring so and so. Very helpful. Very helpful. Very helpful. And so in know, English yeah. too, so you see. Yeah, exactly. so we know who it is. Mm. But yeah, again, like, and then he finds this girl and 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 asks her to like, you know, just whip shit out of him with a whip and just like harder and harder, and then that's it. It's kind of like what okay. was that about again? Okay, and then on to the next sketch. It's like, all right, we get you know we're getting boobs. Okay, cool. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's fine. I'm enjoying the boobage, but the actual, the lack of any kind of just thought to what's going on on screen, yeah. other than other than making you know the women look stunning and the boobies, like there's just no thought to anything else. It's just like I, I can't, I can't get through this film on boob alone. No, I mean, uh, and and at Shore Brothers, by the way, they at this point, they uh, it it is around this point, it's getting more and more frequent nudity. Um, uh, certainly, Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan had yeah. that, but no, I don't think there's very little nudity in that one, and it's rather movies like uh, Golden Lotus by Li Han Xiang. Uh, and uh, you know the movie where Jackie Chan is in uh, like the first third of it he plays this yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he, he has no sex scene but he, he has a supporting role in it uh, so uh, you know it was all go at Shaw Brothers by this point you know nudity was no problem um, they, they were rather cracking down on violence in the, as uh, the 70s went on you know uh, Kung Fu violence um, it was uh, something senses really really went that so it's not uh, shocking that we see uh, the amount of violence we, we get here um, one of the more clearer ones, still not good ones, is uh, the Hoi Suhong uh, star short, where he uh, he has been in Europe and has married a Westerner, a Western girl. Hoi Suhong, of course, Johnny Toe regular. Yeah, it was good seeing. It was good seeing very young. Like it was, it was, it was cool seeing him kind of very, very, very young in his career. Yeah, yeah and they get uh, some sweet, sweet scenes with this uh, Western girl. Uh, I didn't write her name. It's on the credits, uh, but uh, it, I didn't write her name out of Marlene Perry. One film role. Well, in in Hong Kong at least. What a surprise! Uh, <laughs> not because she's bad, but uh, you know, I, I it was it's if she would have been a Westerner that had a career in Hong Kong cinema, we would have known about it. That's my Again, point. These these Guaylos come and go, man. Like, they during, do during this stage. So, so I mean, it's the common story of uh, you know the family losing face just because the son is marrying someone that the parents don't approve of, and the mom even uh, uh, feels sick and faints uh, because of this uh, very. Um, extrovert uh, lady uh, borderlining on rude actually because yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I laughed at this because one of the few very few comedic beats that David Chan gets right uh, he, a few minutes into this short uh, the morning after she has arrived at the house she goes out onto the patio or the veranda or what have you and uh, in a see-through nighty and I mean see-through didn't really matter that the night is there any point wearing it like see-through like. <laughs> and, and she shouts across the yard uh, you know the workers are there the, the gardeners and he, she shouts across the yard like hi mommy and you know the mom faint, faints again or it just feels bad again I mean you gotta think a little bit you just don't do that so but uh, I, I love why I loved at that moment is if you look at the editing of the scene uh, Chang gets like the beats very 
down very well. Like there's a lot of like da da da, you know. Yeah. It, it doesn't redeem anything in the movie, obviously, but I I want to think it out that you know sometimes it works. Uh, but uh, yeah, the neighborhood watches her son bathing, which was funny too. That they're all like uh, climbing the gates of the of the household. That was yeah, that was quite funny because I think that moment you you uh, mentioned as well, like they think the gardener gets like a hose in the face and stuff because he's like, just like staring like it's 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 slightly slightly humorous. But yeah, I think that sketch could have been good, but I think it's because but because she's kind of played as such a stereotype and such a kind of like, you know, obnoxious kind of Westerner. That I'm European, I'm free speaker. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, I think it could have been interesting if we really kind of looked at, you know, the differences and kind of, you know, the more reserved nature of the family and kind of the more open nature. But it's kind of just played like stupidly, like, oh, I'm sunbathing topless, or I'm going out to the, you know, going out to the balcony with the <laughs> boobs out. It's just like, oh, okay. And okay. they wait, and they go sound effects crazy during this movie. Like, wah, 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 oh, wah, 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 so wah, many wah. times. That like you, someone <laughs> had fun twiddling the knobs. You know what I mean? Like oh, someone got that knob stuck. It, it, like <laughs> had to pull it back out. Like it was just stuck there. Gonna play. Hey David, it's there. playing constantly throughout the movie. Genius. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Really bad, yeah. But but you know it's all tolerable. No, it's not really tolerable. But yeah, I I could get through it. But the last half half hour is where it's the second David Chang short, uh, and it's a full half hour where he plays a kleptomaniac. All right, and uh, it's a really obnoxiously boring short too. So bizarre, like to. Like to think that out, like like the fake arm, and it's just like what? Like uh, I don't even understand the train of thought there. I mean, to set it up a little bit, he's a son of a rich man. The parents are away. He's looked after his master, and they know it's a kleptomaniac because he goes on. uh, He has a fake uh, fake arm in a cast or like a sling, and uh, he puts uh, all the loot um, today, uh, the day's loot, into that, and uh, takes it home and. just throws it in his uh, little uh, little um, uh, locker, if you will, mm. and and uh, the master, you know, the master of the household knows this. So the stores, all the stores, keep ringing him up and saying like, he came and did this, put it on master's account, hang up, and then another ten phone calls. So they all know about this, and not even that is very uh, like amusing or funny because as it goes on you know the the, the plot get, gets more involved and not not in like an involving way you know because at one point you get a westerner that for some reason are collecting money for whatever reason from various thugs and that ba- uh, little uh, pack of money which is a lot, a lot of money i suppose that david chang's you know out of control kleptomaniac steals and then um, you know they're after him and you get when all is said and done, you know, not tense chases or anything, but comedic chases where it seems like, and I'm stretching here, that David Chang fancies himself as kind of like he wants to do the Roadrunner cartoon, but live instead, you know, because you remember the cemetery chase where it almost feels cartoony to that regard. And it it doesn't work because it's not uh, manic enough and skill. There's no skill here to provide that. um, Oh. Uh, well, what it did remind me of, and this is actually my final note, and you can go crazy if you like, that it even that whole cemetery chase and 
uh, him like fooling the various people that are chasing him. You know, it reminded me of this uh, Donald the Duck short too, where he chases the hummingbird. I don't know if you've seen that, where Donald Duck is a photographer and he sees a hummingbird and makes, which makes Donald Duck's life a living hell. And um, but yeah, it's kind of the same theme. On that but that night, short is yeah. genius. But this is this is not, and and uh, the, it's. It's the cemetery chasing in in particular where I definitely see that. Oh boy, this is early David Chang. It's not the David Chang I know of, like the director I like. It's so far removed from the skill I personally like, which is again my opinion, and and uh, no one else's, of course. Uh, everybody else should form their own opinion. Uh, but it's it, I assure you, Tom, that this is um, like you said. It doesn't feel. It's him or anyone behind it really is steering this into anything. No. It's a it's a very it's a failed experiment. Is what it is. I mean, Shaw Brothers did anthology movies like Three Stories in One and what have you. I've never experienced them doing like close to a dozen fairly long to super short uh, shorts in one. But it mm. still doesn't make it a curiosity as such to uh, to go into. So uh, uh, essentially, almost a complete failure. Close to a complete failure. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very, very close because I did laugh at one or two points. I'd, yeah, I'd agree. There's stuff I was amused at, but I think, yeah, there was, there was ideas there possibly, but yeah, just not not the skills to kind of pull it off, and and uh, it was really just kind of funny ideas and, and not really thinking about the contents and where those ideas were going and where those ideas needed placed. It was just like, oh, that's that's a slightly amusing idea. Film it. It's well thought. I mean, you're saying that the time between the last film and this film kind of being released. You know, it seems like it was a film that was, you know, shot in a very short amount of time. Like, there wasn't a lot of kind of thought, a lot of kind of, you know, it's just get into it, film it, get it out. And it it feels like that when you're watching it. And I suppose that that's his idea, David. Like, it's all unexpected out there. This is a mad world of fools. Because what is the last thing he does in the movie, Tom? As the narrator. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) Well, basically, yes, it's his desk. Pulls his, he's got tights on, is it? He's got on, pulls his leg out. He's either putting on tights or taking off tights. And it's just like, uh, okay. I mean, uh, all right, like, I just don't, I don't know what, <laughs> what you're going for here, man. Like, I just don't get it. And it's crazy here, but he's not playing it like that, right? He's just sitting there telling us uh, whatever he's telling us, and then you see him uh, rolling on, rolling onto his leg, uh, you know, a pair of pantyhose or tights and what have you, red. Too, and and Leo San standing there in the background and never does anything in the entire movie. Yes, and yeah, kind of covering his, his mouth at the end. It looks kind of like he's, he's laughing, but I don't know. Man. I mean, why you would laugh at that? I mean, <laughs> you, you might do something daft, like yeah, you might be laughing at. But for a viewer, it's just like, oh, okay, that was that was good. That was that was a uh, cherry on top there. At the yeah. And then it ends. And then it's over. So I think. Uh, David Chang's first short is um, is is okay because I like the two scenarios that way, uh, but but it doesn't reveal a great comedian and um, and the whole and the Hoi Su Hong short uh, has some laughs in it and that's pretty much it and uh, that's not a good great. <laughs> no, no, there's not there's not a lot to kind of recommend yeah, it, in this. I don't know. You might hate it all, Tom, but I guarantee this. You'll recognize that. By the time we hit the eighties stuff and the uh, various dramas and comedies, that Chang is uh, definitely having a voice finally, and uh, yeah. not style because he made fairly straight movies, but finally has a voice and something to say and co- confidence. And here it's a young guy got a chance to direct and do two quick movies, and it um, 
no, it didn't work. Uh, I mean, we, we got two more uh, Shaw Brothers movies to cover, one of which I, possibly we can't find, but uh, The Condemned is out there, I think, and uh, which seems like a uh, drama of some kind, too. Which is, you know, to be, uh, to be admired that he got to do mm. something different, because uh, it, it's always different when they change it to a modern setting. Yeah, that, that is akin to almost experimentation for this kind of crew and cost, you know? You know, whenever yeah. Shang-Chi did... Uh, you know, it was horrible, but young people, it didn't move called young people with, uh, um, David Chang, Ti Long, and Chen Kuan Tai, not looking like young people at all. And it's this, believe it or not, two hours of just various events that they like to do, you know, a uh, little bit of fighting, a little bit of basketball, some motorbike riding. I think David Chang plays the drums, so there's um, there's a singing number in the movie, which is actually quite good. Uh, but it's like two hours of just loose stuff tied together, like a youth movie without any vision either. So Chang Che, Yun Chang Che, was not on top of his game at all times, people. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to the films where kind of you know Dave you know comes out of his shell and starts yeah, giving kind of maybe like you know what's inside you know putting it on film rather than maybe kind of you know this stuff which does feel a bit like you know just do this for us dave will you <laughs> rather than kind of something coming from the heart but yeah i'm I'm sure it'll it'll open up and there'll be some light in the darkness that is <laughs> that is dark. these two films the dark <laughs> director series the dark pits of the director series <laughs> Like, we're sitting yeah. here with our racers ready to... No, no, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, but okay, as for availability, Celestial uh, remastered the movie uh, as part of the Shaw Brothers uh, library, uh, but their Hong Kong DVD uh, is out of print, and I couldn't find any used copy of A Mad World of Fools. I would have gladly bought it, even if I didn't know of it, which, which is what happened with the drug addicts. I didn't know anything of it, found a copy, and bought it. And I'm glad that I did, because I got a chance to see it and make up my mind. We've got any ever since. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it didn't cost me 50 bucks or anything, so it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, I couldn't find a Mad World of Fools, so I had to rely on a download to see this movie, unfortunately. But um, I exhausted the options I could think of anyway. You know, maybe it's in Hong Kong shops, but for obvious reasons, I can't go to a Hong Kong shop because I don't leave my house. Actually, go into Hong Kong to. The, the single thing is just to go and get a DVD copy. Of, of a Mad World Fools and coming back. I mean, it's foolhardy. It really is. Don't beat yourself up too much about downloading it, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, okay, next time. Uh, David directed three more films in the 70s. Um, he was co-director, as we said, alongside Jimmy Wang Yu, Belland, a- a.k.a. Belland. <laughs> uh, he directed uh, the new one-armed swordsman, uh, uh, co-directed and starred with uh, Wang Yu. He did two more Shaw Brothers movies, The Condemned and The Whirlwind Kick. And I'm saying all of this because I do want to cover them, but also get to the 80s era quite quick. So therefore, if we can find all three, but I think only uh, at this time I don't think we can find all three because Condemned, uh, might be unavailable. Or um, mm. World Wind Kick. Uh, uh, one of them didn't have any images on Hong Kong Movie Database uh, from the DVD. So I think it's one of those titles Celestial might have remastered but never released. So we'll, we'll try and get as many of them as we can and, uh, and do quick reviews of them before we get to the main attraction of the next episode, which is David Chang's swordplay comedy and parody, really, as <laughs> I mean, sections of it are really parody of the Wu Xiaopian genre. It's called The Legend of the Owl from 1981. 
And the uh, second movie will be 1984's Heaven Can Help, which I describe as a darkly comedic tale about destiny. And it stars Eric Tsang. And my screen cap is Eric Tsang in some kind of, I think, spaceship setting, talking to a guy with a horse head. Sold. I gave it a good review back then. Uh, not that it was like the best thing since sliced bread or anything, but I liked it. It was, it was funny. Like, uh, I, what I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but... I like um, that David directed in the 80s because he got a chance to be part of that, that massive onslaught of movies and therefore it meant like every genre was possible. And he kind of um, tried out a few of them, which um, which I admire. It's that, it's that period where, you know, compet- loose competition was just there, wasn't it? And it was just like, throw it all in, make your film as better, best as you can and don't worry about whatever genre you, uh, you hit while making it. So, I mean, only good can come from this era, this era, I'm sure. Uh, to correct myself, The Condemned looks to be uh, uh, or was available on DVD because there's plenty of images from the remastered print on Hong Kong Movie Database. World Wing Kick is the one where it's only like a black and white movie still. And Hong Kong Movie Database is always good uh, about uh, screen capping uh, the various performers in the film. That's And that's clearly from a remastered print. And that is possibly not available to us. But we'll look into it and um, see what we can find. But... Uh, uh, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of movies. I mean, uh, you got Silent Love, Mr. Handsome, The Wrong Couples, Double Fattiness, My Dear Son, When East Meets West, Will of Iron, and Mother of a Different Kind. Doesn't seem like many, but uh, it's not like uh, uh, Chang Chia filmography or uh, like a big one like that, where there's 100 movies or whatever. It says that Mother of a Different Kind looks quite good. I wonder what that is, yeah. Quite dark. Um, it's the Patrina Fungbobo story where she uh, she goes on a little killing rampage. Mm. And um, Lao Ching Wan chases her. It's a Sing Sound movie, I remember. Lao Ching Wan, Veronica Yip, uh, Fungbobo being really scary. And uh, yeah, it was a solid, uh, very solid, um, uh, what turned out to be the last movie of his directing career. And it looks like he's not going to step into it again. I just have a feeling that he's probably done. So. Mm. But he's still active yep. and still, still, good, still in good health, hopefully. Uh, but, uh, yep, that's us for the dark first episode of <laughs> Director Series on David Chang. But uh, it was good fun, and uh, we are signing off. But first of all, some brief contact information again. This has been the Director Series on the Podcast on Fire Network. We have a website, podcastonfire.com. We have shows on there. We have bonus episodes on there. We might do a bonus episode for this one if uh, we feel it's creatively worthwhile. So uh, look out for updates on that matter. Email us, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Like our page, facebook.com forward slash PUF Network. Every 10th like generates a piece of charity out of our own pockets. So just like us. That's all you need to do. A win-win situation, as Tom KW call it. And also join the discussion group. Uh, type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar to find us or type or look at the link in the About section on the page. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire is our tweets. Uh, there, that's where our tweets are. I write about Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, Godfrey Ho movies, and um, various other things at SoGoodReviews.com. And I video review at SleazyKVideo.com. And I tweet at Twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. And you can rate and subscri- subscribe to the director series on iTunes. And if you like us, please leave um, uh, yeah that rating, that star rating, but also a small written comment. That would be very much appreciated and will act perfectly fine as a review. You don't need to write a lot for iTunes to approve of you. So just as long as you're not hateful about it, I think. Do you? Your favorite color will be fine, will suffice. Do you know what I mean? I like color. That's absolutely fine. 
Uh, all right. And uh, if you don't like uh, downloading podcasts to your device, uh, check out Stitcher Radio online as well as the applications available for your iPhone, iPad, or Android. Type in the, the Bird Director series in Stitcher and uh, you find us. Latest updates and you can add us to your favorite list. Vcinemashow.com, Tom's massive review library of Hong Kong cinema and various stuff is available on there. And uh, you you are going to typey typey about the mad world of fools and the drug addicts, I presume, <laughs> after this recording. Right away. They're already wrote up, man. Yeah, they're ready to go. Both ready to go. Yeah. I, I know what those reviews will be like. They will be identical. Two words. Get fucked. David Chang, get <laughs> fucked. The end. <laughs> Like uh, John Barra and John uh, and Coffee John were like Tom, we're a bit more serious like that over at VCinemaShow.com. Can you extend your thoughts a little bit? But there you have a review archive over there. We'll link to it, and uh, people can enjoy your past writing and possible possibly new writing coming up sometime soon in uh, before 2060. I think we're gonna see something new. Uh, but anyway, no doubt for the first episode of the director series on David Chang and uh, my name is Kennedy and with me was Tom KW. So breathe a sigh of relief. The hate is now out and hopefully uh, we're looking at the brighter times after this episode. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. <laughs> bye bye.